0: Um, for those who don't know, yes, my name is Michael Koltman. Um my wife Jenny and I, uh, we've, we've been back here a couple of months. We used to be part of King's Church uh, some years ago now. Um, in 2017, we felt the call of God on our lives to, to leave uh, King's and to leave uh, England and to move to Ontario, Canada. And we lived in a small, uh, small rural city; they called it, but about twenty thousand people, of Owen Sound. And uh, big shout out to my Owen Sound friends and family. Um, I hope that you're doing well. But we we felt the call of God to leave uh, church here, to leave our family here, and to and to move there to lead a church uh, called Trinity Church in Owen Sound. And what a church it turned out to be. We saw God. Um, move that church from strength to strength. It was incredible to be part of that journey. It was a small church uh, to start off with, just a handful of people. Uh, But we got to be part of seeing people commit their lives to Jesus for the first time. The numbers really grew. We saw people recommit their lives to Jesus and got to see people being baptized. It was just incredible. And when we moved there, in all honesty... We really thought it was going to be forever. We got rid of everything and moved, you know. We really felt God was calling us to be there. And we were committed like we were there forever. Um, but God convinced us differently. And trust me, it took a long time for him to do so. Um, it took a long time for us to feel like, oh, well, maybe he is calling us back. And there was a fair few of prophetic words and pictures and things that happened that we just knew God was calling us back. So it was October uh, just this year, October 2020, that we felt God say, uh, now is the time uh, to, to move on. So uh, one of the hardest nights of our lives where we had to go and, uh, go and announce that we were going to leave a, a church and a job that we loved, um, and, to, and to sell everything again, and to move back here. It took a lot of convincing. Um, but we really felt it was right, and um, it was a hard thing to do. Um, but we, it was then that we were asked if we would take the job of leading kings, um, and really a church that we love so dearly, uh, a church, to be honest, where I grew from, boy to being a man and a lot of that was down to uh, the people here and, and family and friends around us. Um, Phil uh, obviously has been leading the church for quite some years and I was asked to kind of take the baton from him I guess in that sense and he's been a, a father figure to me over the years and even when I was, when we were in Canada and I was leading a church there really he was always on the end of the phone and even came out to visit us um, So this has been our first week in the job, my first week in the job, and it's certainly been a busy one, just catching up with people old and new, uh, getting to know the staff and getting time to know where different things that we run as a church are at um, in terms of ministry, so the food bank and the furniture and the uh, cafe, just finding out where different things are at. Um, But I'm excited for what God has for us in the coming years at King's Church, you know, Jenny and I felt the call of God to leave, uh, to leave where we were. Where we, To be honest, we were perfectly happy, could have quite happily raised our children there and, and carried on leading an incredible church. But we felt the call of God to do it again, which was hard, really hard, um, to leave everything and to start all over again from scratch. But we felt it clearly um, because we really feel like God is calling us to be part of something amazing here at King's. And, and let me tell you, that wasn't an easy, easy decision, but we know it's the right decision. And I hope that you too, in, you know, through, through the Holy Spirit, feel a sense of excitement for what God is going to do next here at King's for what he is going to do and continue to do, but what has he got next for us? You know, this has been a terrible year in so many respects. We've missed weddings and, you know, not even being able to grieve properly for people who have passed. You know, we've, we've missed, uh, kids have missed proms and all different types of things with school. People have had such disruption in work and some people have even lost their jobs and had such uncertainty. But the question is, what has God got for us in this next season? You know, we're really believing that God's got something for us um, as as a church. And we're going to see his kingdom expand here in Darlington and in, in our own lives. So I hope that you're excited. I hope that it's difficult when we're not all together in the same room, but I hope you feel a sense of excitement for the power of the Spirit that, hey, God is going to build something here. We don't believe we moved across the world again for nothing. We're here because God has called us to be here, to be part of this with you. So I'm excited. Let me tell you, um, we we have things on our heart, and as an eldership team, we have things that we want to share with you as well. And we'll be sharing that um, on March 7th. Um, Oh, sorry, that's the American way of saying it, English way of saying it, 7th of March. So we'll be sharing that on 7th of March. Um, And we'll be sharing a little bit about the vision that we feel God's put on us as a church this next season. And I want to encourage you just in the build-up to that, in the build-up to um, the 7th of March, just to just to pray yourself and say, okay, God, come and reveal in me what's, you know, what's next? What, what do you have for me? What are you going to challenge me with? How are you going to speak to me? But as a church, we want to be ready for what God has. Um, so I want to encourage you to do that. With that being said, that's not what we're talking about this morning. Um, we are actually in the middle of a sermon series, a great one. I hope you've uh, enjoyed it so far. I felt God speaking to you. Um, Paul Davison spoke the first week about, you know, fanning into flame the things that God has for us. And uh, last week, Graham talked about the the gospel, not being ashamed of the gospel, not being ashamed of sharing the gospel, of of, of, of explaining what the gospel really is. So I hope so far you've been challenged. Um, This week, we are talking about the word of God. And it's a fairly well-known piece of scripture uh, that we're going to be focusing on. Um, so we're going to be reading from two Second Timothy 3, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. So while you find that in your Bible, grab your Bibles now, maybe grab a little notepad to jot some notes down on, maybe something you feel God's challenging you with. And while you do that, I'm just going to pray real quick and then we'll read it together. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for this morning. Thank you for the privilege that it is to come together as a church, even if we're all over Darlington and different areas around. I just thank you for the privilege it is to glorify your name, to worship you. But Lord, we want to continue to do that this morning. As we open up your word together, as we, as we read it together, Lord, help us to exalt you in the way that we receive what you have to say to us this morning. Lord, we want you to be glorified in our own lives. Uh, so Lord, just come and challenge us this morning. Come and speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, 2 Timothy 3, uh, verses 10 to 17. You, however... Know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, every, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted While evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learnt it, and and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, in Christ Jesus. six verse, verse 16, this is the bit we're going to be focusing on this morning. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this morning what I want to do is I, I just want to open up that piece of scripture that I talked about there, verses 16 and 17, where it says, all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I mean, you might have heard that quite a few times. If you've, you know, been through the Bible a couple of times, uh, you, it's a pretty well-known scripture. Um, but what I want to do is just unpack it a little bit bit by bit what is Paul actually speaking to what's he saying there before I talk about okay well what does that mean for me this morning what can I take away from that what is God saying to me so Paul starts right at the beginning by saying that all scripture is God breathed um, and written in the, in, in the Greek the literal translation is, for that is saying God breathed them into being like he brought them into being through his breath and this picture involving breath it draws a very significant meaning from the creation account in the in the Hebrew bible these words would have taken Timothy right to this picture this visual image of what of what Paul is saying here and everybody knows this particular picture it's genesis 2 it's the creation story uh, verse 7 we see in the beginning the first human adam god forms him from the dust of the ground and he forms him into this into this Um, into this being but then he what does he do he breathes his life into him and then something miraculous happens he becomes a human he becomes um, he becomes a person a living being and if if without God's breath he would have just been organised dirt right but yet his breath brings him to life it's something he only does for humanity he breathes his life and he and he makes he makes this man as the image of God it's incredible. He breathes. His, he breathes into him, and Paul is teaching here that like God breathed His Spirit into into humans, it, like, like that God breathes His Spirit into into these writings. He breathes on them, and and the, you know the Bible is written by a whole bunch of characters. The sixty six books in our Christian Bible today, uh, sixty six books in here. It was written over around one thousand six hundred years. And we see not just Paul, but Peter saying that all, all the writers of these, these scriptures, all the writers of them, and there's a lot of them, there's, there were kings, there were fishermen, there were priests, government officials, farmers, there were shepherds and doctors, all of them, Paul and Peter go on to say that, that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. These aren't just, this isn't just like any other book on your shelf. This was an inspired, God-breathed work. 2 Peter 1 20 to 21 he says above all you must realize that no prophecy in scripture that it ever came from a prophet's own understanding or from a human initiative. No, the, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit. They spoke from God. This book is from God to you. This was breathed into life, just like you and I you and I were. So after explaining. This after explaining this book is alive we talk about that don't we the word of God is alive and it's because it was was born through his spirit the people who wrote it were were guided by him and after explaining the source of this book Paul goes on to talk about and explain what it's for what it's for for me and you obviously originally he explained it to Timothy but we get to read into that and and the and he he explains four reasons that it, that it's used for the four things that it's equipping us for. The first one is teaching, is to teach us. Now the other word this this word in the Greek can be translated one or two words. It can be translated into teaching or instruction. And I'm going to go with the word instruction this morning. Um, some of your Bibles might use the word instruction anywhere. Different different. Um, translations have different words there, but for instruction or for teaching. Now, I don't know if you're like me or like my wife Jenny, but we are polar opposites when it comes to, to instructions. You see, I hate instruction manuals, um, and Jenny, my wife, absolutely loves them. Whenever whenever we buy anything new, I'm very happy as something as long as something is working. I'll just throw that little instruction manual away. I don't know, you, you will be one or the other. I honestly don't think I've ever read an instruction manual in my life. You know, um, with this new house that we're buying, and you know, we have, we have to buy everything to go in it, you know, toasters and kettles and everything that you need, um, I can guarantee one thing. So say, for example, the toaster, what I will do is I will get the toaster out of the box take any plastic off it that needs to be taken off. I will put it on the countertop in the kitchen. I'll plug it in and and I'll leave it there. And if I need toast, I'll go and get some bread. I'll put it in the toast. I'll push the lever down. I'll adjust the minutes (laughs) and then that's it. It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that as far as I'm concerned. Now with Jenny, it's a different matter altogether. You see, she'll probably go to the recycling where I've thrown the box and the instruction manual away, she'll get the instruction manual out, and she will read it from back to front. Let me know which one you are, which one are you, the instruction reader or the instruction throwaway person. And you see, she'll read the instructions and she'll read the do's and the do's not, do nots of the toaster. She'll read the cleaning guidance, the storage information, the all of the ins and outs. She'll read what you should and should not be using the toaster for, and she will tell me what I should and should not be using the toaster for. And she'll and she'll look at the setup help, she'll look at the different functions that the toaster has, how to use the defrost properly. So if we have you know crumpets that need defrosting, she knows how to do it. And you see, the first thing that Paul says the scripture is for is just that. It's instructions of how how you should live your life, what you should and should not use your life for, the things that will break you and the things that will make you. It will tell you. You know, you are here as an image bearer of God and what you, what you shouldn't do with your life, what you should do with your life. And as you walk through this life, how you get help, how you call the helpline, all these different things you will find in here. It's your instruction manual. The second thing that Paul talks about Scripture being for is rebuking. Now we're going to pair the second and the third almost together but the rebuking will do first rebuking Paul has explained when we allow God's word to do this it will convince us to behave and act differently from which we behaved before it rebukes us it means that the word of God wants to reveal in your life areas of sin or of foolishness it's going to show you where things have gone wrong, where things are wonky, where things are out of place in your life. And building right on top of that, so we've got rebuking and then we've got correction. He builds on it with correction. And this builds on rebuking um, because in the Greek, you see, correction, it means to restoration or reformation. So where Scripture, it rebukes us, And in revealing our sin and our foolishness where it shows us what's wrong you see correction shows us how to straighten out what has gone so terribly wrong in our lives it guides us to put things right how to deal with sin and foolishness. It doesn't just tell us what's wrong, it shows us how to put it right. So the analogy I almost thought of right away is, I mean I've got terrible teeth, but you know when you go to the dentist and you know they sit you down, relax Mr. Coltman, you know they do the whole just relax, I'm just going to prod at you a bit and, and everybody's nervous in a dentist chair, I don't care who you are, but they start prodding at you and then they start reading out these weird numbers You know, because they talk in code so you don't know how bad it is, but they do the whole B78 and seven three and you know they do that you don't know what they're talking about but basically what they're saying is this tooth is a bit wonky that one's a bit crossed over this one needs a filling this one's this one's wrong and you see the dentist could go on and on and on but that's the rebuking this is all wrong this is out of line this is no good you're gonna have bad oral hygiene you're gonna you know you're gonna have problems with these teeth this this bits rotting and the rebuking is one thing but you see then the dentist will go on to put it right and really, Scripture it rebukes us. Yes, it tells us where we're going wrong. It tells us what we should be doing differently, but it also gives us guidance in how to correct it, how to put it right. It almost applies braces to us and straightens out all of the imperfections if we allow it to. And the last one that Paul talks about is training, and this word literally translates from uh, this word literally transve- translates from rearing a child. Going from being a child to an adult. Now as followers of Jesus, we want to be mature. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul talks about the idea of moving from infancy in our faith to a maturity. And it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. If you've been following Him for years and years, and you feel like, okay, I feel like I've creased I've, I've got a lot of correction, I've got a lot of braces that I've had over the years, I feel like I'm 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 doing well. You know, the truth is, is that there's always more with Him. And Paul wants us, regardless of whether we're new believers or old believers, to continue in this in this in this walk towards maturity to not stay immature in any part of our lives. And the analogy that Paul uses, we know it pretty well, is moving uh, like, like infants who can only stomach milk or deal with milk or palate milk to in, into a place of being able to eat and digest and consume meat. And what Paul's saying is the Word of God is the thing... That is, is a thing that's there for training. It's there to help you mature. Now, there's other things like church, community. You can't do it on your own. There's other things that you need to be planted in. But, but the truth is, is that if we want to mature in, in Christ, we need to know the Word of God. We need to, we need to be well versed to know what it says. As He wants us to move from milk. To meat. Now don't worry, if you're a vegetarian you can still follow Jesus, that's okay. It's just a metaphor, you can still have your Linda McCartney sausages, but, it, but it's all about being serious. Hey, I don't want to stay in this place, in any aspect, any place in my life. I don't want to stay a milk drinker where I can only stomach milk. Actually, I want to move into a place where I can, where I can really handle the heavy stuff. But the truth is, Scripture is here to train us and to align our behaviour. And why is that? Well, well, you see, when we become followers of Jesus, we take on a new identity. We are born again. And now we are people who are made righteous and made clean, and we are made like Jesus. And we didn't, we didn't do anything. we didn't earn it, right? We don't deserve it. Paul, uh, Graham was talking about that last week, the, the gospel message. But you see, we have a new identity. We are made new. And Scripture is here to teach us how to be these new people. how to Train us how to be those new people. How to live out who we are as new creations. The Word of God is to be used so that we can grow. To help us identify things that were from our past life. The, the, the sin and the foolishness that we used to partake in. We don't partake in that anymore. And, and Scripture is here to help us identify, okay, who are we now compared to who we used to be? And not only that, it's going to help us correct those things. Not just identify them, but correct those things. To, To move on into a life that we're called into, into following Jesus. You know, we don't want to just be a church that believes the word of God. We don't want to be just a church that says, okay, we believe in scriptural truth. You see, we want to be a church that lives out scriptural truth in our daily lives. We want to be a people who are dedicated To this to this book, to the Word of God. So how I want to finish this morning is asking you how is your relationship with your Bible? How is your relationship with Scripture? Is it the first place that you run to in a time of need? You know, this year has been a year of really testing. Uh, different things, our coping mechanisms, who we are, how we deal with certain scenarios, with changes to circumstances. Is Is God's word the first place that you run to in a time of need? When you're walking down a path and you don't know which way to turn, do you allow it to be a light to your feet, a light to your path? When you feel anxious and afraid, is it where you go so God actually speaks his truth over you? I think this year has been a really hard year to not rely on the news, to not watch BBC for the latest figures and facts, and instead to say, actually, when I feel anxious, when I need to know there's hope, when I need to know that, actually, spring is just around the corner, I don't turn to the news. I don't turn to facts and figures of this world. I turn to the promises of God. If we're serious about following Jesus, if we're serious about living out our identity, our new identity in him, then the word of God is not just a nice to have in our day-to-day routine. It's an absolute must-have in our day-to-day Okay, so I I hear what some of you are saying right now. Some of you are very busy. Some of you are parents with lots and lots of children. Some of you have jobs and uh, commitments and all different types of things. And you're saying, well, you know what? Like, I'd love to just be that person who reads his Bible every day or reads her Bible every day. But actually, when it comes to it, when, when it kind of comes to the crunch, it's a time thing. I struggle to find that time, that regular time. Life just takes you know takes its toll on you and I get it I really do get it and I, honestly I'm not stood here saying hey I do this I'm fantastic at it and this is how you're going to do it no I'm not saying that I'm, what I'm saying is hey I'm exactly the same as you we need to make this our daily bread we need to make this hey this is the thing that we go to and say Lord speak to me because I need you today and 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 people do say to me hey I'd, I'd, honestly I just don't get the time I don't get the time well let me let me give you some stats let me baffle you with some stats here <laughs> The average English person watches TV for 30 hours per week. That's the average. That's not, that's not like the worst or the best. It's the average person in the UK watches television for 30 hours per week. And you might think, okay, well, I don't watch much TV. Okay, well, let me talk to you about this. You probably have a phone in your pocket, a mobile. The average person in the UK <laughs> Spends three and a half hours a day, a day on their phone, three and a half hours a day. And we're going to talk about priorities here. Three and a half hours a day on your phone. Now, again, that is the absolute worst and the best, and that's in the middle. Three and a half hours in a day. Gamers, all you gamers out there, the average gamer spends six hours per week. Playing video games. Six hours per week. Let me tell you this. You can read, the average reader can read the whole Bible in 74 hours and 28 minutes. 74 hours and 28 minutes. That means if you spent 25 minutes per day, 25 minutes, you'd still have three hours left to sit on your phone. But you spent 25 minutes per day reading the Word of God. You could read the entire Bible in six months. Six months, 25 minutes per day. And you might think, 25 minutes is a long time to be reading. Yeah, okay, it might be. So let's talk about this. If you read it for 12 minutes per day, just 12 minutes, you could read that, you know, as soon as you wake up in the morning before you go and get your shower, you could read it as you commute in, you could read it, you know, before you go to sleep at night, 12 minutes per day, you could read this entire book, 66 books in one year. We have time. The lie is that we don't have time. The enemy wants you to believe you don't have time. You have time. The question is, do we value the Word of God? Do we understand what it's here for? Do we understand it's like, no the book. It's going to breathe life into your situations, into your circumstances. I want to encourage you to think about your relationship with your Bible this morning. And to ask God, okay, God, am I really giving this the time that it needs? Am I giving your word the time that it needs? Do I love it? And, and let me just say something. I understand that some... Some parts of this book can be difficult to read, some, some parts can be difficult to stomach, but I promise you there's lots and lots of incredible resources out there. You don't need to struggle reading your Bible. You can reach out to us, reach out to me, call me on, on, the, on, church, on the church line. I will speak to you, I'll give you fantastic resources to help you. Don't struggle on, but I want to encourage you to get stuck into the Word of God. There's fantastic apps out there. If you struggle reading, you've got dyslexia, whatever, there's tons and tons of resources you can have people read the bible to you through an app you know it's incredible but we must make it a priority 12 minutes a day you can read this entire book in a year i want to finish by sharing with you um a a poem that i love um it's called my old bible and uh the author's unknown actually i don't know who wrote it so i can't give them a credit um, but it's just this beautiful poem, and it speaks of a love for God's word. It says this, Though the cover is worn and pages are torn, and though places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is this book, worn and old, that scatter and shatter my fears. This old book is my guide, tis a friend by my side, It will lighten and brighten my way, and each promise I find soothes and gladdens the mind as I read it and heed it each day. To this book I will cling, of its worth I will sing, though great losses and crosses be mine, for I cannot despair, though surrounded by care, while possessing this blessing divine. Let me finish by saying this. God wants you to know his promises and his love for you. He wants you to understand this, the history of how he's never let you go. How he's always loved you and been faithful to you. How he's given up his son so that he can have relationship with you. And that entire story is all in this book. And he wants you to know every single part of it. He wants you to know the vastness of his love for you. And let me tell you, this has been a hard year. It's been a year many of us want to forget. But honestly, it's been a, if, if you get to the end of the year and this book is falling apart because you've been reading it and reading it and reading it and it's just falling apart, I promise you that you won't be. You won't be, because you will understand more deeper his love, his commitment to you, his power, his might, his glory, and that he is in control.